People are going to have objections when they're on your product page. They're going to think, okay, well, why shouldn't I buy this product? Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to drive traffic when you are transitioning from selling on a marketplace to your own website, what kind of information to include on your product page that leads to conversions, and how to get a customer to buy if they did not buy on the first visit. Before our show, I wanted to chat about Shopify shipping. Did you know that you can buy shipping labels for your orders at home and print them with a regular printer, get shipping insurance within the United States, and receive discounted shipping rates with certain carriers with Shopify shipping? There are no additional fees, carrier account, or app required. This is included with your Shopify plan, so check out Shopify shipping today at shopify.com slash ship. Today I'm joined by Ace Runas from Threadheads. Threadheads is a pop culture loving t-shirt brand, illustration studio, and printing hub rolled into one delightful organization and was started in 2018 and based out of Melbourne. Welcome, Ace. Thank you, Felix. Thanks for having me. So you told us that uh, when you came up with this business, you had imagined a, a new business model for your niche print-on-demand print graphic tees that didn't really exist in the market. Can you tell us more about that? Like, what, what is it about your niche and what differentiated your product from what was available in, in your market? Yeah, I guess like we didn't really, I mean, I don't think it was an original business model from the get-go. I think, you know, in, in some ways, um, the actions led to the strategy. So we really started with um, just the idea to sell graphic t-shirts in apparel. There, there wasn't really a good pop culture t-shirt brand in Australia at the time. Um, there were some from overseas or that had moved to overseas like um, Redbubble, Threadless, Public, a handful like that. Um, but there wasn't anything really in the Australian market that we thought was particularly good. So um, we got started um, – I was actually overseas at the time. Um, I'd, I'd basically been studying, I'd been traveling. Um, I did a humanities degree, so I was you know, in political science and not really engaged in the business world that much. But I started to sort of get into, into digital marketing um, and I could see that that was sort of the future and where, where things were headed. So um, while I was overseas, my brother put me in touch with uh, Marcus, my business partner. And I knew at the time that Marcus was selling uh, predominantly through the eBay channel um, and that, you know, eBay was starting to get some, some competition with, you know, Amazon and, and some other um, marketing platforms, including Shopify. And so um, he was really interested in moving to a direct-to-consumer brand. Um, and he had some of the equipment, like, you know, we had some dusty old printers. Um, we, we, we sort of worked in a bit of a dungeon, to be honest. It was like this place with all these tiny rooms. It was like a, I think it was a massage parlor or something. Um, anyway, it certainly didn't seem like the, the makings of anything serious. Um, and so we bootstrapped everything uh, around 50 K went, uh, total went into the business. Um, and you look, the original goal was to make just really like a, an, an amazing graphic t-shirt store. We sort of looked at the, the rest of the market and even those companies that I mentioned overseas and we felt that something was missing and that was um, really, there wasn't an emphasis on quality. There wasn't an emphasis on, um, I guess, having a really strong portfolio of, of designs and really the designs and the art and the illustration is at the heart of a graphic t-shirt store. Um, and so 
the goal for us was, first of all, to sort of curate the products that would come into our store. Um, and we, we were initially designing a lot of it ourselves. Um, you know, it was some very basic stuff. Um, and we were drawing on a lot of, you know, pop culture um, inspiration there. And then um, basically in, in 2019, uh, we built a private app. Um, and that allowed us to pay artists um, that were, would be able to join the platform uh, and receive a, a commission to their work whenever they um, made a sale, basically. Um, so around the same time, we moved to Shopify, which was phenomenal. I think like the, you know, the infrastructure that that gives you as a platform and then the ability um, at the time anyway to, to purchase a theme, you know, like a, a 220 USD for um, what I would consider to be, you know, a $10,000, $20,000 website um, was immensely powerful. So I think that that's pretty much what happened. Um, you know, and the original goal dream was just to, to build the, the best graphic t-shirts in the world. And um, that's still sort of our dream. Awesome. So you had mentioned that the, the, the kind of seeds of the business came from a, your business partner selling on eBay. And you had mentioned that you guys are working together to bring this more direct to the consumer, basically from moving from like a, a, a marketplace to your own platform, your own website. Now, when you're making this transition, which I think some listeners out there might be considering this, where they are selling through a platform or rather selling through a marketplace like eBay or Etsy, and they want to make this transition into their own platform, what kind of assets or skills that you find were helpful in this transition from, again, selling on a marketplace to your own platform? Well, I think the first thing that you get is a control over your acquisition channels and retention channels. So, you know, I, I, I basically started doing, you know, a master of management and marketing sort of at the same time as we started Threadheads. And what I could see in that course was it was really focused on, on traditional media. Um, and that wasn't really where I thought the industry was headed. So, you know, my, my bent or my, my goal was always looking at digital media and working out, okay, well, how do we actually sort of grow a business online only? So, you know, the, one of the things with, uh, with eBay is that, you know, you can do paid advertising and then they sort of ship that over to Google shopping. And, you know, it is sort of, uh, and you can appear in organic Google search as well through that. And then of course you have the people that are just searching on eBay, but really you're limited in the scope of the, the sorts of channels that you can use to acquire and retain customers. So I say the fundamental difference with a, a direct to consumer brand on Shopify is like, you need to be aware of, first of all, how, how you can actually drive traffic to your website. Um, and I guess we can go through, you know, some of the, some of the ways you can do that. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely uh, dive into the the channels you get to now enable now that you are on your own. Yeah, so look, I think early on in the piece, like what you'll do when you have a have a website and you're sort of starting off fresh is you know you're, you're not really focusing on driving traffic. Um, even people they might have an acceptable conversion rate, and their website might be, you know, it might be optimized uh, to a standard that they can actually generate revenue if they get enough traffic. But, um, you know, in the early days for me, it was all about conversion rate optimization, website tweaks. Like I'd be thinking about the color of my add to cart button, you know, should it be purple or something like that? And it was really not, those weren't the tasks that moved the needle. Um, and so, you know, you'd also be focusing and be bogged down with customer service and other reactive tasks. I think the, the hardest tasks take the most time, you know, consideration and effort. Um, and in the beginning, 
founders ultimately need to be marketers. And, and there's, you know, you need to be obsessed with growth to some extent. Um, and so what I think, you know, if, if you're trying to think about getting your first customers in, in a Shopify store or for your Shopify store, um, you know, SEO, um, conversion rate optimization and email are like sort of foundational. Okay. So basically you make sure you optimize your website for search and conversions when you launch your store. So I'll go into that. So like SEO, you know, you go through your titles, your meta descriptions, trying to get ranking for your brand name as a, as a, you know, the first thing you want to do. Um, and then some longer tail sort of keywords. Um, and then you, you know, you need to optimize your, your website for, for conversion. So the simple stuff, to, simple ways to do that, you know, you might go and get reviews, um, have an organized navigation. You know, you want people to like, what are the goals on the e-commerce website? You want people to be able to find uh, your products. You want people to be able to, uh, all the products that they want. You, you want them to be able to add them to their cart. You know, you want them to go through checkout all in a seamless sort of flow. Then you want your, your, your product page copy. So, you know, do you have compelling messaging on your product pages that can actually convert people? You know, can, can you actually persuade them uh, to, to buy your product? Does it convey some sort of value proposition for them? Um, and then also you use that in concert with product photography because people are visual beasts. Ultimately, they want to see what they're buying. Um, so a combination of product page copy, um, that is like the, you know, the written communication and then the visual communication of product photography, those in concert is what will actually get people to, you know, convert and go, um, down your funnel to purchase. So then you've sort of set your website up, you know, you've done a bit of SEO, you've done your conversion rate optimization. Um, you need to actually drive traffic and, and both of those, you know, both SEO and conversion rate optimization, which I, I probably focused a bit too heavily on in the early days, don't do that immediately. They won't give you immediate wins. Um, what you need then is you need to attract the initial customers with paid ads. And so the great thing about, you know, a Shopify store and a direct to consumer brand is like, you're not like, it's not like eBay. You have a lot of channels to work with. So you, with paid ads, Google and Facebook, like period. So, you know, you need to, for Facebook, um, and look, I really encourage people, like if they're, if they're starting off and they're learning, just go to YouTube to learn how to do this stuff. So Facebook, you need to set up a prospecting campaign. Um, and that means a, a campaign where you're going to try and get cold traffic. So people who don't know about your brand, don't know about your product, you're trying to get them to your website. You're trying to build brand awareness. Okay. Ultimately you still want that cold traffic to convert. And that is dependent on having a good, you know, a good website with all the, all the, all the stuff that it needs to convert, but you want um, to get people hitting your website. So they at least know that you exist. And then there's other ways to, to retarget them. Okay. Then the second thing I do set up a, a Google shopping campaign. So Google shopping is, is a really powerful way of getting traffic. Um, and, and it really takes them to take them to the product page, which is very close to conversion already. So it's fantastic. And then you set up search campaigns, which are the sort of text-based ads that you see, you know, uh, at the top of Google search results, um, above the organic listings. So, the only other thing I'd say in Google search then is also just bid on your brand name. I can't emphasize this enough. You need to bid on your brand name so people can actually, you know, if, if you type in threadheads in Google, not only you get, you know, the organic listing because, you know, SEO, we've sort of, you know, um, uh, Google has indexed us over time and anyone who types threadheads in Google will see us there as that organic listing, but you also get the paid listing above it. So you're getting all of this real estate for your own brand, which is, you know, like the whole point of building a D to C brand on Shopify is like you, you're building a brand. Like you want people to find you, you want people to know that you exist. And so, 
you know, those people that you're hitting up with Facebook ads and, you know, even word of mouth, you might be telling someone about your brand and they might tell someone else or someone might buy a product and they might tell a friend, you know, they need to be able to find you. So bid on your brand name and also try to get your name ranking in organic search. And that's already a great start to sort of, you know, um, making sure that your, your name is, um, carry some value or carry some weight, I would say. Um, and then the important thing here is get Clavio. There's like no other real, I think, email solution, um, for that works, you know, so, um, beautifully with Shopify. It is, you know, just, it's just an amazing tool. Um, and then you can set up flows, um, like abandoning checkouts, which I'm sure people would be familiar with and you can capture sales on the back end. So, you know, you know, and, and then the other way to retarget people retarget, you know, your warm traffic with Facebook ads. So you can actually, you know, um, uh, create an audience of people that have visited your website and then show them ads. And this is all, all, all basic stuff, but all of those sorts of activities working together are pretty much how you sell product, you know? Um, and it, and it is all dependent on having a great product. Um, and a good website experience, you know, we talked about conversion rate optimization, but those are the ways you actually get traffic to your website, which I think a lot of founders at the start, they're not so focused on, they're focused on, you know, uh, you know, maybe more product and experience. Um, but you need, you need traffic. So, you know, I would just say lots of YouTube videos. Um, I honestly made uh, more money from one YouTube video, um, that I watched in 2019, uh, than I did uh, from my entire $100,000. We, we get it sort of for free from the government here in Australia, but the, my entire, I, I sort of have a little bit of debt from that. My entire degree that cost me $100,000 was less valuable to me and has made me less money than one 12-minute YouTube video by some, I can't remember his name, he's some, some French dude, but he's good at Facebook ads basically. Going to have to grab that video link from you after this. <laughs> now. I'm sure people are... Are ready to get it. It's not quite as relevant as it once was, but it, it is a it's still a fantastic video. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab it from you after. So when you, so lots of great stuff in here. You basically broke down a high level the 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 way that you generate traffic to to your not yep. just traffic but like profitable traffic. So let's break this down a little bit. So the first thing you, you talked to us about was kind of mostly based around again SEO and C, and conversion rate optimization. So I want to touch on this first and kind of go in order. So you had mentioned that the first thing you want to make sure is that there's a seamless checkout process. Now, do you remember what kind of changes you made along the way or maybe even what mistakes you see other people making, uh, especially brand new entrepreneurs with their checkout process that you think if you make this change, you can actually see a lift in your conversions? Yeah, I don't think there's a silver bullet. I think there's things that people miss out on. So the first thing you go to is like, okay, you use a review application um, and it sort of depends on having a good product again, but you know, you might use judge me. I know a lot of people use Yotpo. Um, there's some like Okendo and some other great ones that are, you know, a bit more expensive, but it judge me is a great budget one to start with. Um, Judge.me, I think it's called. And you know, you want reviews. That's, that's a, the first way I would say of, you know, gaining momentum. Then, the second thing is again, like make sure your, your, your product descriptions and your um, and your product photography is really strong. And a lot of people, you know, will, will maybe cobble together their product pages. Um, but you, you need to just make sure those things are, are really tight. Um, and then I know a lot of things. Like I would get, I would if I was going to the theme store now, I would buy one of the, um, you know, there's a, there's a few good theme. I sort of don't want to give give them away, but there's a there's a few, you know, uh, vendors on the theme store that know their stuff. Okay. 
And if you if you go to them um, and, and you and you get an extendable team that is like one that you can you can customize enough without knowing code because like me and my friend we sort of we know a bit of code so we've been able to make uh, adjustments to our website. But if you don't have like a like any programming experience, you need something that allows you to have a bit of control over it so you can communicate you know your, your you know the benefits of your product really effectively. You can maybe um, you know include some of that brand story that sort of, you know, get, you know, warms up a, a prospect and sort of gets them to, to love what you do. Um, so I think it's like you, the, the number one rule of conversion rate optimization for me is like, go look at the best websites in the world um, that you look up to. Maybe they're in your niche, maybe they're not, but they're on Shopify and, 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 and do what they do. Um, if it makes sense, you know, it depends again on the niche. And then when, once you get to checkout, I mean, it's Shopify checkout. You know, I don't even touch the checkout. We're on, we're on Shopify Plus, but the Shopify checkout is, you know, it's been designed by people at Shopify with the intention to sell. And that, they know what they're doing. I feel better than, better than I do. So I'm just like, yep, yeah, I'll go with you guys. I trust you. So check out, you're all good with Shopify. That's a, that's a great, um, that's a, one of the great advantages of Shopify over like big commerce and, and WooCommerce. Like, uh, I, I wouldn't even touch those platforms. But anyway. Awesome. Okay, so you mentioned uh, getting those reviews using using different apps and tools to to reach out to people and automate a way to get those reviews and show them on your product page. Are you highlighting or or displaying these reviews anywhere else to to to, to get more use out of them? Not really, uh, honestly. Product page, like you know, that's where you're converting people. So get people drive traffic to your, your product pages. You know, um, Google Shopping, great example. People click on. Uh, you know, a, a link uh, in Google search takes them to a product page. They look at your product photography. They look at um, your description. They understand why the, the product will benefit them in some way. Um, they scroll down. Um, they get reviews. Okay. That confirms that, you know, there's some social proof. Um, this product has worked for other users. They're already, there's already so much trust built there that, um, you know, for me, I wouldn't have my reviews anywhere but a product page. You could use some testimonials on the homepage or, you know, depending on what your brand is. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think they're really effective on the product page. I put them there. So asking, sticking with the product page a bit more, I think, um, you know, I've seen, I've had guests come on the show, they have product pages. Some of them have, you know, thousands of words on the product page. Some have less. Like how do you decide what is the right combination of how much copy, how much information you need to provide about the product itself to, to your customers? I think it depends on the product. Like for us, we don't actually have a lot of copy, but you know, we really touch on the key points. And so, you know, first of all, we go on the key points of the product itself, you know, for us, um, you know, the focus is on some of the designs are exclusive in-house illustrations by us. So we say exclusive design by Threadheads. Um, then we'll say, uh, uh, premium quality tea, you know, hundred percent cotton, um, we'll have, uh, ethically sourced because we have accreditations, um, uh, for how we source our garments. Um, and then we have printed in, in Melbourne or printed in Australia, I believe, because, you know, we're sort of got that Australia focus, you know, that's, that's our market. Um, you know, we love Aussies and that is, you know, sort of, you know, how we position our brand. So, you know, you want those key points there and they're, they're sort of for the product, but then, okay, well, do you have your, your shipping times there? And do you have some, you know, a bit of flavorful copy about, um, you know, how they're going to actually get their product. And then what's the exchange process like? So, you know, make sure you have something that's really accessible there that lets people know that they can exchange if that's part of your, 
part of your process and I would encourage it to be. Because basically, you know, people are going to have objections when they're on your product page. They're going to think, okay, well, why, why shouldn't I buy this product? Um, and typically it's those objections that get people to, to leave, you know, so it may be price. It may be, um, the fact that you don't have exchanges it may be these sorts of things. So make sure you're just sort of answering any objections that you can think of that they might have. But as a general rule, if your, if your product, um, is more complex than say a graphic t-shirt, which we sell, um, where it's more predicated on, on the design itself, do I like this design or not? Then you need, you know, you need more detail. Um, and you need to really communicate the benefits of this product uh, over over another one. Got it. Okay, so then let's dive into the actual traffic they've been able to generate. And you had told us that you you've had a crazy return basically on your investment on your on your ad spend here. You said it says here two hundred thousand dollars that got turned into one point eight million dollars in return. That's a nine x return, which is a lot. And I'm just letting people know because this is an important part that we want to pay attention to because you had the experience here and the success here. So let's talk about that. So you mentioned first the prospecting campaign to kick things off. You want to, to to get that cold traffic in, and this is through both Facebook and Google Ads. Like what are you doing to to prospect for new new customers? What are we doing to prospect? So it depends on your store, like where. You know, we're, we're a unique brand in that um, we have lots of different customer segments. So I think, you know, the first thing you do whenever you're targeting someone with an ad campaign, uh, whether it's on, on Google or, or Facebook, is you're thinking about what your target audience is. And then you're thinking about which within that audience, which respective segments are going to respond to a, a given message or product. And so for us, like, you know, I might think about in a prospecting campaign um, on Facebook ads, I might think, okay, you know, I'm going to go after people that like cats and also like fashion and apparel. Okay. So they have a cat and they have, you know, some interesting clothing and then I'm going to show them cat t-shirts. So that's an example of segmentation where, you know, in a prospecting campaign, these guys don't know our brand, you know, they, they might have never seen Threadheads, but if I put cat t-shirts in front of someone who has a cat and also like fashion and apparel and the cat t-shirts are funny, they might buy it. And I think there are a better chance of buying it than just showing it to everyone in Australia, for example. So I think that, you know, especially, you know, I don't know how aware your audience is of, you know, the changes that are coming with iOS 14, but um, basically Apple doesn't like Facebook and they're, you know, controlling, you know, um, data for user privacy on their platform or or on their, um, on their devices. So I think segmentation will come, become even more relevant. And so you need to make sure that your targeting is on point. Um, and the same things for Google ads It's like, okay, well, you know, if, if I want people to find cat t-shirts, first of all, I'm only going to make it relevant to the keywords, um, that involve cat and t-shirt. Um, and then I'm going to show them a landing page with cat t-shirts. And so all you're doing is really trying to match what the user is looking for or what you think that their interest might be. And then the offer that you put in front of them. Um, and I think this, this is fundamental marketing that people are doing, like, you know, even on traditional media, um, you know, for example, uh, you know, uh, on, on television, primetime, you know, you might put a product that has a very broad appeal um, for, uh, you know, if it's, you know, we've got the tennis on at the moment, we've got the Australian Open, you might put things that are more related to sport, you know, on, on television, if you were running a TV ad. The great thing about, you know, digital media is though it's sort of democratized the uh, accessibility of it, just like Shopify has in a way, it's, you don't need to, you know, place a TV ad anymore. It's not that expensive. So what I would say is test, experiment, try to find those audience segments that, you know, are going to resonate with your message or your product. Um, and then, you know, through, through testing, you'll find that those segments 
and you'll be you'll start to see you know a, hopefully you know a good return on on your ad spend. Mm. I think it's a good point about how there's different types of segmentation depending on the kind of business that you're in because your business is so design heavy that it makes sense to segment customers based on their interests or their likely interest in the kind of designs that you have. But you also have a ton of products, so there must be a lot of segmentation going. How, talk to us about how you manage this or whenever you onboard or, or update your inventory, how do you make sure that you have the, the, the entire basically advertising infrastructure set up so that you can segment based on new designs? Okay. So... Um, look, there's a few ways. I think, I think it depends like what sort of ad creative you're doing. So if you do a carousel ad, for example, you could use a feed app. Um, there's one called awesome Facebook product feed. So if you have a larger catalog store, um, you'd use a feed app, um, and you do the same for Google shopping as well. And then you could do carousel ads and you could show, you could update that carousel with products for that given segment, like the cat t-shirts and showing them, you know, um, to a, a cat segment. So a cat segment, that's a thing. So, you know, that, that's just like, um, one example, you know, showing those products. I think the other thing is like, you know, um, you, you're updating your collections, but you could do just a, a single image ad um, that shows someone wearing a cat t-shirt. And we're doing a, a GIF one right now. Where there's these, basically the girl is in like the cat dimension and there's these cats sort of floating in free space around her in this sort of portal. Um, and that's just a like sort of a GIF slash video ad, short MP4 ad. And that, um, you know, then that drives them to a cat landing page. Um, that shows, you know, it's just a, you know, Shopify collection. So it does, you don't need to even do, you know, carousel ads or anything like that. It's more like, okay, you know, what do, what ad do I need to make to drive people to this landing page? And then uh, who do I need to show it to? Um, and, and then you think of a creative or an, you know, uh, an ad around that. Got it. Now, the, these um, these ads you're talking about, and I see the one you're talking about right now on your on your landing page on your on your website. Is there a difference that you see in, in the in the in the conversions or the return ad spend when you're doing something like a just like a straight up product photo versus on a model or a lifestyle photo? Like, are there are, are do you see a difference in in what what works speci- specifically for for t-shirt uh, companies and brands? Look, I think if you um, if you're a brand like us, I don't think it matters as much. I think you, first of all, you want your product images to be good, even if they are like templated, like ours aren't on models or anything like that. Just because we have such a huge catalog, um, and also we're not targeting specifically men or women. So from the get go, for me, it was about okay, I'm going to make unisex product pages. So I want men and women to be able to go to these product pages, and they can they can still buy the product. Um, so that was really critical to us. But I think if you're like a more trying to start a high end brand, let's say you're trying to start like a sustainable fashion brand that I know I've seen a lot of these sort of popping up, like you, you may be, you know, hemp clothing, these, these sorts of things. Well, you probably want it to be a bit trendier. You want it to be cool. So you need some good model photography. And in many cases, well, you're going to use the same uh, photography that are on your product page uh, in your ad. So I think it's about, you know, if you're doing a photo shoot, you're trying to organize that, that product photography that I mentioned was so important uh, earlier on for conversion rate optimization, you're going and you're getting some really good photography that you can use across, you know, multiple channels. Don't just use it on, you know, in your, in your Facebook ad, use it on your product page. So first of all, there's a, a good fit between those two. Someone clicks on your ad, then they get taken to a landing page and it has the same image. That's great. Um, as well as other images, obviously. And then use that, you know, that same image as a campaign or hero shot on, you know, in your latest email, use it in your organic social as a post, use it as a story, you know? So, um, I think, you know, what we're getting our heads around at the moment as a team, cause we've got like lots of creatives here. It's like, 
let's make content and let's make it, you know, omni-channel. Let's use it across all of our channels. Um, and I, and I think that that is probably the best approach when you, when you're trying to you know, come up with a piece of ad creative. Yeah. It's certainly something that needs to be done when you're talking about like bootstrapping a business, you can't just do, you can't have assets that are just one time use, right? You have to be able to use it across multiple channels. Like, like you're talking sure. about now for these specifically these prospecting campaigns, when these customers, the, these prospects see your, your products for the first time, are you looking to get the conversion right on that first visit or what is the, the kind of funnel look like for you guys? Yeah, I think we're not a very high involvement purchase. So that means there's not a lot of consideration that has to go into buying a t-shirt. It's not that expensive. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a graphic t-shirt. So, you know, they might buy there and there and we want them to. So I think, you know, most of the time with these sorts of, you know, a brand like ours, we definitely want a good return from our prospecting campaigns. And I think that's true for most um, Facebook ad advertisers or media buyers. It's like, they want a return from their prospecting accounts. It can't just be all done on the back end with retargeting. Um, and I think that's even more true um, given the sort of changes we're seeing to the, the Facebook ecosystem coming now. Got it. So if you have a low consideration product like a T-shirt, for example, they're talking about, you really have to optimize or aim to to get the sale on that first visit. Otherwise, it's probably not going to be profitable if you're looking just to get a customer on the back end, at least based on your experience. Now, if they land on your site and they, they happen to not buy, where, where do they typically come from next? Where does the customer come from next? Is it usually email or retargeting? Where, where is your, if you know, if you had to focus on one area, especially if anyone that's just starting out, like where should their focus be on to get that, that customer if they haven't purchased yet? Yep. So there's three ways. So the first way is uh, retargeting on Facebook ads. That's the, the most obvious way. Um, and, and, you know, potentially use a dynamic product ad and you, you show them the products that they were looking at. That's a very common one. Um, the, the second way would be make sure, again, that you bid on your brand name in Google ads and that you're optimizing SEO or optimizing organic search so you can rank for your brand name because people might not buy there, but they might remember your name. And so they might type, and we see this quite commonly, they might then type, you know, uh, thread heads in days later go back to the website and they still have that, have that product in their cart or they go back to the product page they're looking at or they buy other products. So you need to be present for your brand name. And the third thing is absolutely, you know, pop up form with Clavio. Um, make sure you at least give yourself a chance to capture their email. You know, if they get all the way to checkout and then they abandon, you'll get their email anyway through, you know, the Shopify checkout and that integration with Clavio. But if they, you know, if they don't make it all that way, if you have a pop-up form and they, you know, they get their five or 10% code or whatever your offer is, um, then, you know, that's another great way of retargeting them on the back end. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now let's get back to the interview. Got it. So you mentioned this previously, then also just now about bidding on your brand name. And when I first heard that at first glance, it sounded like a long-term play that eventually you have the brand brand awareness where people will search for your name. But you're saying that you should try to capture that search traffic earlier than 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 a kind of a longer-term play. Is that is that accurate? That you know, from day one or from the beginning of you running traffic to a brand new store, brand new brand, you still want to be able to bid on that on your brand name. I think it would be in the first, I think it would, well, I mean, if you think about it immediately, well, if you started a store and you haven't done that much SEO or you have done your SEO, but you know, you haven't given Google the time to crawl your page. Well, if you start immediately running Facebook ads 
Um, and let's say they don't use an email capture form and they don't, um, you, you don't hit them up with retargeting on Facebook ads. So you can't capture them that way. Well, as soon as they leave your store, they won't be able to find you unless they do a direct query, you know, and type in, you know, uh, you know, threadheads.com.au, for example, if it's not a direct visit and they don't remember your URL, well, they can't find you. So you need to somehow be appearing in, in search. And, you know, you might say, I'm happy to just go with the organic play and try to rank for my name uh, using uh, SEO. And that's fine. Um, but there can be certain problems with that too. Like what if your name is similar to um, some other word? Like, for example, Apple, the, the you know, the, 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 um, you know, the tech company. It's like, well, you know, their name is also the same as a piece of fruit. So if you're starting off and your name is the same as a piece of fruit, well, potentially you might run into right, might run into issues there. But I think more generally, yeah, you, you, you can afford to bid on your brand name because like you don't actually pay that much for the clicks if it's if it is maybe technical, but if it's an exact match um, keyword, then you're not going to pay that much for that. So I, I think the the benefits of having that real estate for your name outweigh the cost. Got it. Now you had mentioned that um, with SEO and organic, you you mentioned that the technicals need to be in order, like meta tags, titles. Make sure your images are tagged correctly. Is there much more that you can do when you're a t-shirt like a business? Like, and I think I think some businesses are highly technical or highly complex. Where, you know, is there's a pros and cons of that. One of the pros I think is they just have more things to talk about when it comes to like a, a t-shirt business. How do you make sure? How do you how do you I guess give more kind of juice to to to, to Google in order for you to rank better? Yeah. So I think, I think it's overall content. So, you know, I don't think we've needed a lot of content, but you do need, I mean, at the end of the day, Google just vacuums up HTML. So you need to have text on your website and that text needs to include keywords that are relevant to what you're offering um, and what users are searching. And so the first step optimizing any website with its on-page SEO is like, all right, I do my titles, I do my meta descriptions, um, I go through, I write my you know product page copy, I write my you know content on my homepage. Um, you know, the second thing might be trying to find what uh, what links you can possibly get. You know, if we're not doing just on-page, you might try to think about, okay, well, um, do I have a, do I have a supplier? Do I have um, are there any directories maybe in my area for local businesses and stuff like that? Are there any ways I can get some, some uh, what they call backlinks to, to my website? And what that does for Google is it, it sort of increases your domain authority and um, Google tends to respect websites that have other websites uh, linking to um, that domain. So, you know, those are some of the basic ways to do it. I, I think, you know, a great tool um, and it's a paid tool, but you know, you can start, you need, first of all, you need Google search console for SEO. And then, you know, there's this tool called Ahrefs and it's industry standard. It's, it's the best. And so you just, you know, their blog is actually fantastic. So if you need to start an SEO, you need to work at what are the you know, first 10 things I need to do to, to, you know, um, optimize my, my website for organic search. Well, these blogs are fantastic. There's another guy called me. Um, I think he's, is he Brian Dean I think from Backlinko? He is a gun to so Backlinko. Um, he's fantastic. Neil Patel is like a, you know industry heavyweight. Um, his blog posts tend to uh, border on a hundred thousand words, though. So you know I'd watch his video probably more than I'd read a blog post. Um, and th- those are some people that I would just look at if you're just trying to do beginner SEO. 
Awesome. So I think you mentioned um, that there are three things to do to, to recapture that 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 uh, that customer if they haven't purchased right off the bat. Just email, uh, Google search, and then also I think Facebook retargeting. So now when you are retargeting a a prospect or even even an existing customer, what are you what are you showing usually when it comes to retargeting? Is it different than what you would show in a prospecting campaign? Yeah, look, I'm I'm probably not the best practice, and I need to get you do better with retargeting. At the moment, we use predominantly DPA ads and dynamic product ads. That is, we'll show the products that people have been um, looking at on our website. Um, we've just gotten such a great return from those that I haven't really explored other options. But I know that brands are very successful using uh, retargeting uh, with you know single image ads, um, video ads, um, showing creative that, and and then having copy that's like. You know, it can be playful about the fact that um, uh, you know that the, the user has been visiting your site or, or whatever. I think you, you know, there's a really great resource called Facebook Ad Library, um, and you can type in, uh, you know, your favorite brand. Let's say you type in, um, I think, it, you know, one of the big brands at the moment that's really crushing it uh, on Shopify is called Allbirds. Um, you know, you might pop in their name in Facebook Ad Library, and you can look at all of their ad creative running right now. Um, and that's just absurdly powerful. I think the reason they implemented that Facebook was because of the election fraud. Um, and so they needed more transparency into the, what advertisers were putting out there. But it's turned out to be a great tool for marketers. So I think for, if you need inspiration, you need to work out what Allbirds might be doing on you know, the front end and the back end. Well, just you know, hit that up, you know, pop, their, pop their name in there and, and you'll get a good idea. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about just getting inspiration or looking at what's working already. You don't, you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel a lot of times, look at what's already working Absolutely. and apply it to your business. Like a website always, you know, e-commerce website, you're always going to have the, you know, the cart, where's it going to be? It's going to be in the top right corner. You know, it, it's, it, a lot of these principles don't change. There's very, you know, basic uh, tenants of an e-commerce website and you need to just, you know, see what other brands are doing and, and look at those fundamentals. And then I think, you know, often with, with uh, e-commerce, there's this sort of intersection between user experience or UI and conversion rate optimization. You know, a lot of people say that design, like experience design is very different from conversion rate optimization, that marketing and, and design are, you know, uh, links. But ultimately, you know, you know, user experience is about allowing people to, you know, achieve whatever goals they have on, a, you know, in any given experience. So let's say on a website and an e-commerce website, it's two fine products that, they, that they're after. And then to be able to check out with them as we touched on before. And really the goals there align quite well with conversion rate optimization. So I think look at the best brands, look at what they're doing, um, make sure it's a fit for your, for your, your brand um, and then just implement it. Awesome. So we talked a lot about things that worked well for you. Were there anything that was there anything in a paid acquisition route where you you spent money to to drive traffic that just didn't work out as well as you would have liked? Um, look, I, I don't think from like a, a paid perspective. I think it's um, I think it's just again spending time on tasks that don't really move the needle. So you know, don't just think you're really busy because you're doing customer service and. Because you're, you know, constantly sitting on your website and looking at, you know, what, you know, you, all that conversion rate optimization stuff we said. It's like just do it quickly. You know, get it together. Get your, you know, product photography, all these descriptions. You can optimize them. You can improve them, but it shouldn't account for most of your time. I think the more time you spend in, um, you know, your, your, you know, generating traffic and thinking about that, um, the better you're going to do. I think one of the things I stuffed up with with paid acquisition in the early days 
actually, now I think about it, was not testing. So if you don't test, um, you're going to constantly run into this problem where you're like, oh, this, I don't know, campaign isn't working. All right, well, I'll turn it off. Well, look, if you maybe if you tested more ad sets or, you, you know, you were thinking about different audiences or different creative, um, instead of, you know, choosing the, 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 a different color for your ad to cart button on your product page, you would get closer to your goal of getting a good return on your ad spend. So I think, yeah, more time testing uh, and, you know, maybe on, on things that really should be tested that are really important. Yeah, I think this kind of almost like self-awareness is can, can make or break you, right? It can kill a lot of your resources if it's not, if you aren't aware that you are using your energy or money or time on things that aren't actually moving the needle. So now this might just be maybe like gut instinct for you or just second nature for you at this point, but what's the kind of question that you ask yourself to make sure that you're focusing on things that are actually moving the needle? How do you make sure that on a given task, you're not sinking time in something that's actually not going to make a difference? It's actually a really hard one. How do you be highly productive all the time? And I don't think you can be. I think I go in waves where I, you know, I feel like I'm achieving a lot of things and then times where it's like, oh, not quite getting as much done as I'd like. And I, I find, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I find that the harder tasks are the ones that require more effort, that require more thought, that require some you know, modicum of research. Those are the ones that actually move the needle. So like if I give you an example, I have not done an about page or, you know, you call our story, like an about page. I've not done it for months. And, you know, my friend Ash, who works with me, he's like, hey, have you still, have you done the about page? And I still haven't done it. And it's like, that is something that adds a lot of value to the brand. It's like a lot of, you know, websites have an about page and, you know, we've gotten this far and we still don't. So Look, I would say I'm after this you know, interview, I'm working on the damn about page um, and work on, on the tasks that, you know, take a bit of time, that take a bit of effort that are actually, um, that you, you sort of know intuitively are, are valuable. Um, and I think that also comes from just, just lots of research. You know, you listen to podcasts, you're watching YouTube videos, you get inspiration, you see what other brands are doing and you know it's working for them. So that, that already is a great, you know, it's a great source of truth. I think you've got these people who probably know a lot more than you. And I know I listen to a lot of people that know so much more than I do. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's working for you. You're sort of in my niche or you're sort of, you know, you're an e-commerce, you're a direct to consumer brand. Well, that, that is, that will move the needle sort of thing. And it should be, it should be, I should just say, it should be focused on selling. As I said, a founder has to be growth oriented. They have to be marketers. So we're talking about moving the needle. Customer service is great because you're trying to keep customers and stuff like that. It's really important. Um, I, you know, customer experience is everything, but think about how you're going to sell your next product. That's what I would say. Mm, yeah, I think keeping your eye on the right thing is, is super important. I think there's something to be said to you about how when you're, especially when you're, when you're, when you're just starting out early on, I think there's this tendency to almost like act like a surgeon with a scalpel when you really should be using a sledgehammer and just like trying to do bigger yeah. things, right? Instead of changing color on a button, try a completely different angle for, for an ad, right? Do something that is is kind of more impactful. I think when, you have, when you're when you at scale, right, then I think smaller things, uh, smaller changes make a bigger difference. But when you're just starting out, you kind of just got to almost not go with a shotgun approach necessarily, but you have to be doing things that are more higher leverage, essentially. Agreed, agreed. 
Yeah. So now speaking of making sure that you're doing the right things, you had mentioned super early on in this interview about how you spent $50,000 that went into the business early on. I think, you know, a lot of people are starting with, that want to bootstrap. Like, what did you, what would you say were some of the more, some of the, the, the best valuable, best value things that you spent your money on early on to grow the business? Oh God. Um, stock, um, uh, we needed capital equipment to some extent. Um, I think testing in, in Google ads and having some sort of paid budget, um, buying a website, uh, unless you're making your own custom one, I would definitely advise if you're starting your shop at the start, like we had, um, getting a, a website from the theme store is the best thing you can do. Make sure you pick a good one. Um, I think, yeah, having, having enough money to throw it at, at your marketing is probably the right way, but you don't want to be burning your cash either. So, you know, you need to make sure that you, uh, you're testing enough that you're getting that validation and you're sort of, you know, your dollars are not going to waste. You know, a lot of people might throw it into one campaign and then just sort of let it sit there. Um, even if it's not, you know, getting you a good return or they'll just be really reactive. They'll turn it off straight away. Um, uh, you need sort of a balance there, but I mean, I think it's the same for all e-commerce brands. It's like, okay, well you need stock, you need inventory. So you need to invest in product. Um, but you don't want to invest too much in product that you don't have enough to spend on marketing. I mean, there's so many like examples of, you know, the you know, Silicon Valley brands that get all this venture capital funding. And you know, of course it's a lot more money than, than we had or, or people listening to this might've had, but then they have this brilliant product and they have no audience. They have no customers. So you need, you need a bit of money for, for product, but you need a bit, a bit of money for, or a lot of money for, uh, you know, actually driving traffic too. So I think that you're striking that balance is really important. Awesome. So the website again is threadheads.com.au. And I leave this last question. What would you say you would like to see happen this year for, for your business in 2021 in order for you to consider it a successful year? Okay. Well, um, I'm not actually sure. I think, I think, you know, we just want to gel more as a team. I think we want to be far more collaborative. We've got a lot of creatives. We've got two illustrators, graphic designer, um, some people in, in digital. Um, and, you know, as a team, we just want to put out some really good content. I think we want to yeah, increase our content game, push more stuff out there, let people know who we are. Um, from financial perspective, probably want to grow to an eight figure brand. Um, and then yeah, maybe, maybe push into some other markets too, but we'll see how we go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ace, for coming on and sharing your story. No worries. Thanks so much, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.